Well, good morning, Carpenter's Way. It is so good to be with you this morning. My name is Ryan Thompson. I'm the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church in Nederland. It's a church that I planted, uh, just like this church was planted uh, four years ago now. And so I won't be long on the introduction so we can get into the text, but let me just say that I do uh, love this church. I'm thankful for uh, this church and what you meant to me when I was setting out to plant uh, the church that I'm a part of. And so uh, I wouldn't be away from my church home uh, this morning and preaching God's word there uh, if I didn't, if this church didn't mean something to me. And so it does. And I'm thankful to be here and I appreciate you for having me. For the last couple of weeks, as Pat asked, when Pat asked me to preach, I, I thought that the Lord was leading me to preach kind of a missional sermon, like to remind you of the call uh, of this church, the reason that this church was planted, and that be, it would be the making of disciples. And I thought the Lord was calling me here just to encourage you uh, in, that mi- in that mission, especially uh, in a season of transition, a season of transition that you're in right now, to, to not let your foot off the gas, uh, to be reminded of the DNA of this church, and that is to go and to make disciples and to spread uh, the glory of God across the face of this earth and in this community as uh, the waters cover the sea. And so this past week, I had that sermon uh, kind of mapped out, knew exactly where I was going, and about the time that I wrapped up uh, my outline and, and the notes for the sermon this morning, I felt the Lord leading me uh, in a completely different direction. Uh, I called Jason just because I didn't really want to go here because I didn't done so, work, so much work on what I was doing before, uh, but he, he kind of confirmed that. And, and I think the reason, uh, or I thought at the time, that the reason that the Lord was, was leading me to this other passage uh, is because because it's what my soul needed this week. Uh, it's what I needed to hear. Like these truths that I'm preaching this morning, I've been preaching to myself um, all week long. And I was thinking back to the beginning of the pandemic back, you know, early in March where 2020 took that kind of downward spiral. And I was thinking back in those days uh, where I was kind of just running around like many of you trying to figure out what, what in the world is going on right now. And I was trying to take care of my church and think through live streaming and how we do that and shepherd people through social distancing. The kids were home from school. I was home from work and just trying to manage that situation. I'm trying to figure out, you know, where we're going to get toilet paper and paper towels and water. You remember all those days? And, and I was just doing all of these good things. But by the end of that first month, I was just depleted. I would just was running on empty and, and the Lord in a gentle, kind rebuke to me said, you're trying to do all these good things. You're trying to shepherd yourself and your family and your church, but you're not allowing me to shepherd you. You're not allowing the good shepherd to shepherd your soul. And it was a subtle reminder that I needed in that season to kind of get me through, uh, especially the beginning stages of the pandemic. But then over the last couple of weeks, and what the Lord reminded me of is that I've sort of had this uneasiness in my spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Like just this restlessness. Like I was feeling guilty over some things in my past. I was feeling overwhelmed about things in my present. I was feeling anxious about things in the future. And so there was just this uneasiness here. And so on Wednesday, about the time that I wrapped up the sermon, there's some other things going on in my life and church. And I just felt like the Lord was, was leading me back to what he led me to back in March, back to uh, uh, being reminded that the Lord wants to shepherd me. The Lord wants to guide me and care for me and, and provide for me uh, in this season. And so here's what I know. I know that if I'm a pastor of a church and I'm struggling uh, to be shepherded by the chief shepherd, then I would imagine that there'll be some of you uh, here today. In this ongoing chaos of what we're living in right now, uh, you are doing some amazing things. 
Uh, you are getting things done. You're taking care of business. Some of you are even killing it right now. But at the same time, you may not be led, be, be, be allowed to be led and guided and cared for and provided for by the chief shepherd. And he wants to do that in your life to guide you and lead you. And so I just want to remind you of these truths today. We're going to be in Psalm 23. If you have uh, your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there with me. Psalm um, um, 23. Uh, this Psalm is probably one of the best known um, and most recited poetic work throughout all human history, re religious or secular. Charles Spurgeon, he called the 23rd Psalm the Prince or the pearl of the Psalms. Uh, even if you aren't familiar with the Bible, maybe you're kind of new to church, you've heard Psalm 23 somewhere. Maybe it was at a wedding, uh, maybe it was at a, a funeral, maybe you've seen it in like your grandmother's house embroidered on some piece of cloth on, and framed on a wall somewhere. We're all familiar with Psalm 23. Some of you probably have parts of this Psalm memorized. But though we may be familiar with this psalm, the question is, is are we living out the reality, the truth of this psalm? Are we walking in the truth that the Lord is our shepherd? Are you experiencing the glorious and marvelous truths contained in these words of this psalm? And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to walk through this psalm just line by line, and I'm just going to point some things out as we go uh, kind of along the way. And my hope this morning is that whatever season of life you find yourself in, whether it's a season of plenty or it's a season of need, or whether you're in the valley right now or whether you're experiencing the blessing of green pastures, or if you're nearing death's doors, that we would just all be able to this morning just to take some deep breaths and just to be reminded that we have a good shepherd, a chief shepherd who is leading us and guiding us and caring for us in these days. So let's pray before we dive into the text. Father, these truths have comforted many a weary and sorrowful souls. And so God, I pray that you would do that again today that these truths would captivate our hearts and that we would walk out of here this morning eager to be shepherded by the chief shepherd, by the good shepherd. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. So the first verse, Psalm 23, verse one, verse you know well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In this psalm, King David recognizes the way, a way in which God intends to reveal himself to us. This whole shepherd-sheep analogy wasn't something that we came up with. This is something that God intended when he wanted to reveal a way that he relates to us. And so you see Jesus, he picks up this sheep-shepherd analogy in John 10 when he says, I am the good shepherd, like my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. In Matthew 9, 36, Jesus looks out along the crowds and it says he has compassion on them for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but when we're called sheep, it's not the most flattering picture of us. You know, sometimes we think of sheep as like these cute little woolly creatures, but they're actually quite pathetic. Without a shepherd, sheep are completely helpless. 
I mean, you think about it. And every other mammal, just about every other mammal, in the animal kingdom can get along just fine by itself. Like it doesn't need a human. It kind of gets along either by itself or, or in a herd, maybe except for like chihuahuas or like the little foo-foo dogs, you throw them out, that's not gonna go well for them. But other than them and sheep, like everything else in the animal kingdom can kind of get along just fine. It doesn't need a human to shepherd it, but not sheep. You think about it, and they can't do much at all without a shepherd. Sheep cannot run fast. They have no defense mechanisms, no fangs or claws. They cannot fend off enemies. They can't fly or swim or climb trees or roar loudly. They have no sense of direction. They easily get lost. They can, easily, they can even get lost in their own pasture. They're vulnerable to predators and parasites. Get this, a sheep is so helpless that if it lies down and it's kind of center of gravity off shifts a little bit, the sheep can, be, could, can roll over onto its back. And, if the sh- and it's, it's kind of a hilarious yet really sad picture, but it's there on its back, it's flailing its legs wildly. And if the shepherd doesn't come and turn that sheep over, in a matter of hours, that sheep could die. And, and so it's not a flattering picture. And God created these animals to say to us, this is what you are like. Now, is God being insulting to us? Like, is is God saying that we are dumb and helpless creatures? No. What God is saying to us is like a sheep needs a shepherd, so you need the Lord. And that's where David says, the Lord is my shepherd, David has this sheep's eye view of God. David knows sheep. David was a shepherd. He knows how helpless sheep are. And yet, David, he gladly proclaims, he claims the title of sheep for himself. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not just the Lord is our shepherd. Not just the Lord is a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. This is personal for David. I think there's something like 17 personal pronouns in Psalm 23. This is a personal psalm. David knows the creator God, the God of all Israel, the Alpha and the Omega is particularly and attentively caring for David as a shepherd does for his sheep. And so David knows this about his God. And the question I have for you is, do you think about God in this acute, personal kind of way? Do you know God, not just as the God of his people, not just the God of his church, but do you know God as your personal shepherd, the one who is attentive to what you need Not just a God who is omnipresent, who is all over, who is everywhere at one time, but a God who is ferociously committed to being your personal shepherd. Jesus says in John 10 that he knows his sheep by name. Jesus knows your name. He knows your needs to the extent that David would then go on to say, with the Lord as my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? 
I shall not want. It carries with it this idea that if the Lord is our shepherd, then we will lack nothing. Now, you, you might reject that idea. You probably should reject that idea. You might say, well, that's not true. I, I feel like I lack a lot of things, actually. You know, personally, this week, I, I was living out in a way that I, I felt like I needed some things, that I wanted some things, that, that if I was going to live the abundant life, then I, I needed some things to take place in my life. Think about your life right now. If, you were, if you're honest with yourself, what are some things that you think that you need in order to live the abundant life? Like seriously, think about this. Like if I only had this, then I would begin living the abundant life. Maybe it's a, a new job situation. Maybe it's a relationship, a spouse or a child. Maybe it's a new house. Maybe it's a new house project. Maybe it's good health, less doctor's visits. Maybe it's more money in your bank account. What is it that you are truly hoping in right now that you think would give that to you where you wouldn't be lacking? See, if we're honest, we are his sheep, but we all seem to be in want in some way or another. But when David says, I will not lack, this is what David has in mind. He is saying, with the Lord as my shepherd, I will not lack anything that my shepherd knows that is good for me. He's saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, because I have an intimate relationship with God where he is particularly and attentively caring for me, I have everything I need. My God will not withhold anything I need in order to enjoy the abundant life he's made possible for me to live. And so listen to Psalm 3410. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack no good thing. Can you say that and believe it? Can you believe this morning that with the Lord as your shepherd, he will not withhold anything good that you need right now? And so, so the question is, how is that? How does God provide everything that we need, that we won't be in want? Well, verses two through six of Psalm 23 are answering that question. If you're asking the question, okay, how then does the shepherd give to us everything that we need? Verses two through six are the answer to that question. So look at verse two. It says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. So David knew this. We probably don't know this because probably not a whole lot of shepherds in the room. But did you know that it takes a lot to get a sheep to lie down? Like getting a sheep to lie down is not an easy task. Sheep will not lie down if they are hungry or thirsty. Sheep must be free from all fear. There can't be any suspicion of danger or a sheep will not lie down. They also can't be aggravated. If there's nuisances around, if there are fleas or parasites, if they're aggravated, then a sheep will not lie down. Interestingly, a sheep will also, not, also won't lie down if there's uh, tensions or jealousy within the flock. Like there has to be unity within the flock 
for a sheep to lie down. I don't know what kind of divisions happen uh, in a flock, maybe like some, some political tensions or something, but they will not lie down uh, unless there is unity. But you see the picture. Here we have sheep who are content with their circumstances. There is no hunger or thirst. There's no worry of danger. There is unity amongst them such that the shepherd has made them to lie down. And you know what brings them that? It's the presence of the shepherd. It's when the shepherd is near to them, when the shepherd is in their presence, when he has his rod and his staff and he is comforting them, they feel at peace and they feel contented. And here we see sheep that they aren't just at peace, but beneath them are green pastures, not barren pastures, not brown fields, green, lush pastures. And, and beside them are still waters, not, not like rushing waters, not waters that if they got too close and got too close to the waters, it would grab them and weigh down their wool and pull them downstream. No, these are still, cool, refreshing, pure waters. This is the picture of sheep who have been made to lie down because they are resting and at peace because of the hand of their shepherd. And this is what our shepherd wants to do for us. He wants to supply for us in such a way that we are provided with plenty and have peace. That his presence gives us contentment. We have a shepherd who says to us, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be hungry and he will not be thirsty. Green pastures, still waters. Not only does the shepherd want to provide for us physically and emotionally with green pastures and still waters and having satisfaction in him, but he wants to provide for us spiritually. Look at verse three. It says, he restores my soul. Is it just me? Or do you ever feel like you need to be restored? Like your, your tank just feels depleted, that you are exhausted, that you are running on empty and you need to be filled up. I'm guessing that there's some of you in this room right now that feel that way, that you just feel depleted. Maybe it's the complexities and the difficulties of this life that have worn you down. Maybe it's the fear of the unknown. Maybe it's conflict with someone in your family. Maybe it's a frustrating work environment. Maybe it's a spouse or a family member that is just draining you. Maybe it's the ongoing battle against sin that you seem to can't, you can't get victory over. Maybe it's a health situation, a financial problem. So many different things in this life can drain you. And I'm gonna, that's for some of you this morning, you have so many holes in your tank. There's so many things draining you that it just seems like what is going out can't be overcome by what is being filled in. You're drained. And you know what? Whatever it is this morning that may be draining you, let me just tell you that God knows that. God is not surprised by that. And so first, if you are, are there this morning, if you're in a place of just being drained spiritually, don't, don't be discouraged. Don't feel like you're the only one struggling. You're not alone. We're all struggling in some way. Even King David. King David's the one who in verse three of Psalm 23 says, he restores my soul. But in Psalm 42 the same psalmist who wrote Psalm 23 is saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you at turmoil within me? And he's speaking to his soul. He's saying, hope in God. 
So the same guy who wrote Psalm 23 and said he restores my soul is also the same one that had to speak to his soul and say, why are you so cast down? But David doesn't stay in that place and neither should we because God is also the one who promises to provide the refreshment and the revitalization our souls need. He is the restorer of souls. Listen, God is not disgusted with you if you're struggling right now. God is not fed up with you if you're struggling this morning. God is not against you. God is for you. And so God comes to you as a shepherd comes to his downcast sheep, a sheep that has rolled over on its back and is flailing its legs frantically. And the shepherd comes and he wants to restore you. He wants to turn you back over. The Lord says to us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, all you who have been turned over and I will give you rest. I will, I will turn you back over. I will restore you. Look at the second part of that verse. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, we have so many leaders. We have so many voices. We've seen this over the last year. So many voices wanting to lead us. Who do we follow? And you have so many leaders. You got your boss, boss at work. You got state, local, federal leaders in government. You got your elders leading you. But here's the thing. There is one overarching leader who is leading his people, and it is the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that in these crazy days that we are living in, the Lord is leading us. The Lord is guiding us. And where is it that he's taking us? It tells us, on paths of righteousness. You know what this means? This is good news. This means that whatever path you might find yourself on this morning, if you are seeking the Lord, and you are trying to understand his will through his word, and you are seeking him in prayer, and you are asking for his will to be done in your life, and you're being led by the Spirit, no matter what path you might be on, it is the right path. It is the path of righteousness. You can have that sort of confidence. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths, paths of righteousness. And why is it that he's leading us on paths of righteousness? It tells us, David says, for his name's sake. God doesn't lead us on paths of righteousness because we're good. God doesn't lead us on paths of righteousness because we have it all together. He doesn't lead us on paths of righteousness because we deserve it. He leads us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his glory. He doesn't do this so that people will look at us and say, oh, what great sheep they are. Look at how awesome the sheep are following their God. No, he leads us in paths of righteousness so people will look at us and say, oh, what a great God they serve. Look at their God. Stock market crash. Look at their hope. It's not in the passing away of earthly riches, but their hope is in treasures in heaven. Global pandemic, another strain of COVID comes up. Look at their peace. Look at their calmness. It's as if they truly believe that God is in control and guiding them. Tragedy strikes your family. They have peace like a river when sorrows like sea billows roll. What a great shepherd they have who loves his sheep. 
And then you say, wait a second. You're saying that he's, he's got us on passive righteousness. You're saying that he is leading us. He is guiding us. But what he's leading me in right now, it feels like a hard time. It's a difficult season. Are you saying that God is leading us not just in the seasons of life where there's green pastures and still waters, but are you saying that God's leading us in the seasons of difficulty and the seasons of trial? Yes. Look at the next verse, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now you cannot miss this. People love this verse, even Coolio. I don't know if any of y'all remember Coolio, Gangster's Paradise. Some of y'all are gonna be singing this in your heads, but he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Like he loved this song. People love this verse. They like to cherry pick this verse out of the Bible. Great verse. He is with me in the valley. True. But there's something about this verse in the context of Psalm 23 that I think is often missed. And it's this. How did we get into the valley in the first place? How did we get to the valley? You see, sometimes the shepherd is leading us into green pastures and still waters, but sometimes to get to where God is wanting to take us, he must take us through the deep, dark valleys. See this, the valley of the shadow of death did not come because the shepherd abandoned them. The valley of the shadow of death did not come because these sheep wandered away and they're being led by some evil shepherd. No, 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 no. The sheep are in the valley of the shadow of death precisely because the Lord is leading them there. It says the Lord is there. He's with his rod and his staff. Those are instruments of guidance, instruments of protection. The Lord is with them. They're in the valley precisely because that's where God is taking them. Why would God do that? Why would God take them through the valley? It's the path of righteousness. It's the way in which God is intending to do something in you, that God is causing you to rely on him more, to depend on him more. There's things that he's producing in you. He's preparing you maybe for, to enjoy the green pastures that he's leading us to. But David can say, even though I'm in the valley, I will not fear. Why? because he knows the shepherd's with him. You know, children are oftentimes afraid of the dark. My four-year-old, just the night before last, she's sleeping in the bed with us. In the middle of the night, she pops up and she rustles around, so I woke up. And I see her just sitting up in bed and she is just frantically looking around. And then she looks at me and my eyes are open and she catches my eyes. We make eye contact. She sees these eyes of love these eyes of protection, these eyes of I care for you, and then she just like falls back over and goes back to sleep. See, children aren't really afraid of the dark. What they're afraid of is being alone, and the dark intensifies their awareness of their aloneness, and it's the same with us. Because the one who is with us, the one who cares for us, is with us in the dark, in the valley, then we can, we can have peace in our soul. We can know that he is with us and holds us and sustains us in the dark night of the soul. See, the rod and the staff that the shepherd has aren't there to protect us and keep us from all the difficult days in this life. Jesus told us very plainly and clearly, in this life you will have trouble. This isn't the fine print of the Bible. It's all over the place. 
This isn't like uh, where you get, like, take this pill and you'll uh, be strong and you'll be healthy and you'll live a long life. And then the fine print and verse and like, like Times New Roman size font four, it says, but it might kill you. No, this is not the fine print of the Bible. Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. See, when you're walking in the dark night of the soul, you can take peace and comfort knowing that the one who holds your hand is the one who has overcome the world. The believer's testimony in any valley, the valley that you might be in this morning, is he is with us. And notice, he doesn't lead us into the valleys to leave us there. He leads us, it says that, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, not to, not even though I walk to the valley of the shadow, it's not the final destination, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Where's he taking us? Verse five and six, verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The metaphor seems to shift here. We're no longer sheep, but we are guests at God's table in God's house. And it says that our enemies are there. Now, what would you expect God to do if your enemies are there? If your enemies are present, you expect God to slay them or at least give you a means of escape. But it doesn't say that. It says a table, like a cup, oil. What, what is this about? See, in the presence of your enemies, this is what the Lord does for you. He prepares a feast. He feeds you. He cleans you. He heals your wounds. He fills your cup of blessing, not where it's half empty, not where it's half full, not where it's even filled to the brim, but where it is running over. What else would you want in the presence of your enemies? And get this. Because of the hospitality of your shepherd, because your good shepherd has invited you to his table, you are a guest in his house, you are a son of the king, that your enemies are his enemies because he is with us. He is watching out for us. He's protecting us. He's preparing for us. And look what he's preparing us for. Verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you really need to hear this this morning. When you go through life, whatever comes, whatever you're walking in right now, you have a shepherd who is out in front of you, who is leading you and guiding you. He is making sure you are on right paths. But also look what's behind you. It's not evil tracking you down. It's not Satan waiting to devour you, creeping up on you like a roaring lion. No, for the sheep that belong to the good shepherd, the footsteps that you hear behind you are goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy are pursuing you. Goodness and mercy are chasing you down all the days of your life, and you need both. H.B. Charles said, you need goodness to help you stay on your feet and walk according to the will of God, but you need mercy when you have fallen down. Mercy picks you up, gives you a fresh start. I've known some Christians who are always seemingly looking back over their shoulder as if something bad is coming their way, like something bad is going to happen, and they just have this kind of view of God that if, if things are going well, then something must be coming that's bad. But listen, that's not what's tracking you down. It's goodness and mercy tracking you down. It's not what David knows he may be in the valley of the shadow of death, but what he knows is pursuing him and catching up with him and following him is goodness and mercy. See, 
the loving kindness of our shepherd is running before us. He is leading the way and he is hemming you in from behind. He is running behind, chasing you down. And look where it's leading us, our final destination, the house of the Lord would dwell there forever. This is why David speaks of death as a shadow. He says the valley of the shadow of death. Why is it a shadow? One person said, the shadow of a dog can't bite, the shadow of a sword can't kill, and the shadow of death cannot harm the child of God because the real death blow was felt by Jesus Christ on the cross. So for all those who believe in him and trust in him, death may sting, but it is not the end. It's a shadow. And out of that shadow is coming the glorious light of God our Father as we walk into his presence, dwelling in his house forever and ever. So let me close. Who else would we want to lead us in this life? Who else would we want to shepherd us? You want to shepherd yourself? Can you make, can you make good on these promises for yourself? What thing is it that you think that you're lacking that would give you all of this? Verses two through six. No one else can come through on these promises. Maybe you're this morning and you just feel, maybe like I did over this last week, where I have just kind of drifted from the care of my shepherd. You can return to him this morning. He loves you. He cares about you. He cares about you so much that the Bible says he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And, and there's this picture that I have in my mind of the shepherd going after the one. And he comes to that shepherd and he picks the shepherd up, and you can imagine the shepherd or the sheep being on the shoulders of the shepherd of the shepherd, and he's got his legs kind of wrapped around, and the shepherd carries you back home. It's not like a wandering dog where you go get the dog and put it on a leash and make, drag it back. No, he picks you up and he carries you back into the flock. You can return to him this morning. Return to the care of your shepherd. He wants to lead you, he wants to guide you. For some of you, maybe here this morning, you don't know what it's like to be led in this way in life, both in the good and the bad. You don't know the truths of this psalm. You don't have this kind of peace. And the reason is, this, the 23rd Psalm is not a song that everyone can sing. Everyone wants to sing this song, especially in the valley of the shadow of death, but it's not a song that everyone can sing. This song is for the sheep. This song is for the people of God. This song is for those who have trusted themselves to the watchful care of their shepherd. And so if you have not given your life to Jesus to shepherd you in this life, I want you to see the condition that you're in right now. Philip Keller was a real life shepherd, like the real thing, he was a shepherd. And he wrote a book about the 23rd Psalm from a shepherd's point of view, and he said this, and I'm about to close. He said, in memory, I can still see one of the sheep ranches in our district, which was operated by a tenant sheepman. He ought never to have been allowed to keep sheep. His stock were always thin, weak, and riddled with disease or parasites. Again and again, they would come and stand at the fence, staring blankly through the woven wire at the green, lush pastures which my flock enjoyed. Had they been able to speak, I'm sure they would have said, oh, to be set free from this awful owner. This is a picture which has never left my memory. It is a picture of pathetic people the world over who have not known what it is to belong to the good shepherd, who suffer instead under sin and Satan. How amazing it is that individual men and women vehemently refuse and reject the claims of Christ on their lives. They fear that to acknowledge his ownership is to come under the rule of a tyrant. 
See, when you don't entrust yourself to the good shepherd, you are being led by Satan and sin that only wants to still kill and destroy your life. Our shepherd, the shepherd that we follow, has promised that he has come into this world to give us life and give it abundantly. Maybe this morning you just need to hear that Jesus wants to be your shepherd and you can trust him because this shepherd is one who lays down his life for his sheep. So he loves you and you can turn to him this morning. You can entrust yourself to the care of the good shepherd. Do you hear the voice of the shepherd? Is he calling you? The Bible says the sheep will hear the voice of the shepherd and they will follow him. Let's pray. Father, I just ask right now, your word would not return to you empty or void. We thank you for the gift of Psalm 23, the way in which you have revealed yourself to us. God, I pray for someone in this room right now that has been wandering from you. They've been drifting. They feel depleted. They need restoration. They need to be reminded that you care for them. And I just pray that they would take a few moments today and just allow you to be their shepherd again, just to run back to you. And God, that you would remind them that you love them and care for them. God, I pray for that person here today that does not know you as their chief shepherd. I pray right now, God, that you would call out their name. Let them hear your voice and let them turn to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.